Uh, I, I am uh, spending a lot of time on it because I can, not because you allow me or because I am forcing my will on you. I can because it's so rich. The statement here is, is um, in many ways unparalleled, and I thought it would be good just to spend a lot of time on it. So that's hopefully some explanation. As you know, uh, we've looked at, um, this is the third week that we will look at it, and perhaps two more after tonight, Lord willing. Um, we started by saying that the text contains a limitation. It begins with a statement of limit. That is, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to everybody. No, the text does not state that. The text simply states, or, or, or clearly states, that all things work together for good to a certain group of people, to them who are, uh, who are lovers of God and the called according to his purpose. That is the limit, the boundary set on the text uh, by the Holy Spirit. That is, there is a, there's a limitation on it. And then last week I introduced what I hope was the universal of the text. And the universal simply states that for we know all things, all things work together for good. That is, um, we already know that the good things or the things that we consider good are good. Um, so it's those other things that are included in the all things. Those things that we don't necessarily um, that we don't, we don't define as good, that, that perhaps hurt, that make our palms sweat at night and keep us awake at night and, and make us cry in, in private. Those things, those things, it is, uh, is the subject or, or, or are included in this statement that even, yea, even those things contribute to the overall good. God takes them and works them. Um, and what he brings out of them is good. Now, um, so I, I introduced a, a couple of things. You know, I'd love to use this board, Brent, but um, it, I guess I could use my finger, couldn't I, um, Brent? Uh, I need a marker for it. Um, uh, it really will work with your finger, um, but I, I don't know that you want me to do that. Um, uh, but anyway... So um, what I sought to do last week is say, okay, here is the promise that, that all things, uh, not all things are good. The, the text doesn't say that, but all things work for good. And so I said, all right, uh, they're good. All right, then, then how so? And I gave you a category, a category that, that I want to uh, provide some specifics under tonight. The category was simply this that God um, uses pain to awaken us, to quicken us, to remind us of certain things. There are things uh, that, we have, um, that we have lost track of, things that we have forgotten. Uh, our, our soul in the midst of prosperity falls into a slumber. And so God um, uses some kind of difficulty to arouse us and remind us of... Um, of uh, certain things that we perhaps had forgotten. Uh, these are the right ones. I mean, they... No, I think there's a certain kind of thing that you're supposed to use. Try, okay, okay, Jonathan. I'm blaming you if this thing gets ruined. What's your, what's your social security number? <laughs> um, um, okay, the, the whole idea is things are good. <laughs> Uh, really? I mean, uh, how, how so, Jimmy? How could 
those things be good. And I said that the first category has to do with that, that there is a reminder. Um, and there is an awakening um, because of, of ease and slumber. Our souls forget certain things. And so God authors a set of circumstances and it arouses us. It awakens us. It quickens us. It reminds us. Now, guys, we're going to come back uh, in the following weeks and we're going to add two and three and four and five. All of those, all of those reasons that indeed this is a true claim. How could they be good? Well, one of the reasons that they're good is that God uses them to awaken us to things that we have forgotten. But what I want to do tonight is add under this category some things that He reminds us of. Some specifics. I guess they're specifics. They're, they're, they're somewhat specific. Um, but we're going to come back and add in some other reasons as to why Paul can make such a, such a preposterous claim, maybe that's not the right word, such a stupendous claim that all things work together for good. Well, why? Well, here's one reason. Because God uses, this, uses them to, um, to awaken us. And I, I closed by telling you this story or using this illustration last week um, that we, we have a certain pain that uh, is kind of new. We've never recognized this one before. And... And uh, we decide we're going to go to the doctor. And the doctor examines us and sees and finds some certain things. And he does all the x-rays and all the tests. And he comes back into the room and he says, My friend, you, you really got a problem here. Why didn't you come to see me before? And the reply is, Well, Doc, I didn't know before. It was the pain that brought it to my attention. It was the pain that drove me in here. Uh, I, I didn't know about the condition until the pain. So God uses that to remind us and awaken us to certain things that we have forgotten. So, one of the things that He reminds us of is our own smallness. You know, guys, um, living in a world where you're being applauded for whatever it is that you're being applauded because you're such a great mother or you're being applauded because you're such a great physician or you're being applauded because you're such a great teacher. It's in those settings that we tend to forget things like this. Um, and the devil encourages us to develop this, this false sense of self-confidence. You know, you, you've heard it described, we, we, we take our news clippings way too seriously. We begin to, uh, to live without much reference to God and our need for Him. And then, pow! We're awakened. I, I guess what I'm, I'm saying by that suggestion is that, in, 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 in other words, folks, nothing humbles us as quickly and as surely as does affliction. It reminds us that we're, not, that we're not as in charge as we thought we were. You know, guys, um, um, the Apostle Paul, uh, you, you might want to, if you want to, take a look at this statement, but I think you know it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
where the Apostle Paul makes a statement that gets a lot of coverage. His statement is, So to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Do you know what Paul is... I don't know if you know anything about 2 Corinthians 12, but 2 Corinthians 12 begins with Paul describing that God gave him an experience. Um, it begins by saying, uh, there was a man, uh, I don't know who he was. He's referring to himself. There was a man, and uh, I don't know who he was, but um, he, he got a glimpse of the third heaven. He, he says that in the opening verses of the chapter. The third heaven. And, um, the first heaven was the heaven in which the birds flew. That was heaven number one. Heaven number two was the, the heaven where the stars and the sun and the moon and all that stuff was. And then the third heaven was that, that, that home, that place of uh, um, where, where the eternal dwelt. And somewhere in the course of Paul's training, God gave him a glimpse of some things. I mean, he got to see some things that nobody else had ever seen before. He walks away from those experiences and he thinks... <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm a hot shot. I mean, uh, Peter didn't get to see this. <laughs> James and Josh, they're dead. <laughs> well, not John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. I, 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 none of those other guys, but I got to see this. And so he states in verse 7, to keep me from being too related, God gives me a thorn in my flesh. I've experienced some real victories. I've experienced some real successes. And so God in His kindness and His grace gives me something to remind me how small I am. I'm not not the big shot that I... I mean, I got this experience. God used me in a great way and yada, 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 yada. And So God balances the books by putting something in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, that reminds us that we're not as... We're not as valuable as we may think we are. You know, guys, um, I think that oftentimes what God is up to during trial is prevention. You know, um, there's no telling what kind of crime and or evil we could have gotten ourselves into had not God intervened via pain. You know, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote, let no man think too highly of himself. And so we read that, okay, it says right there, you know, we're not supposed to think too highly of ourselves, and you know, I don't want to do that. And so, um, uh, okay, I see what Paul says here, (coughs) therefore, um, I agree. I am, um, I'm not going to think too highly of myself. My point is, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? You can't will that. You can't determine, well, okay, I see that, baby. I, you know, that's a, that's a warning that I certainly want to take, and I don't want to do that, um, so I think I'll uh, not think too highly of myself. You can't pull that off. And so God gives you some help. He, he authors a set of circumstances to help you Obey something that you know is so necessary for spiritual health. 
over and over and over and over. This book warns us about pride, doesn't it? You know that. I don't have to tell you that. And yet, tell me, tell me, tell me, my dear brother and sister in Christ, what is the biggest issue that many of us, perhaps most of us, perhaps all of us face? We know of the warnings. They're repeated again and 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 again. And it still doesn't stop us. All we got to do is sign one big deal, make one big closing, have one good date, and we're just, we're feeling our oats. And so God in His kindness authors a set of circumstances to prevent us from pursuing and following on a course that will bring utter ruin. You know, guys, um, we know that there's a danger in pride, don't we? But one of the things that makes it stick, at least for a time, for an extended time, is our own pain. And anything, 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 that can humble a proud heart like mine is good. It's a good thing. And um, who knows what God is preventing me from falling into were He to continue to give me pain-free living. Ladies and gentlemen, humility is the greatest safeguard of the Christian soul. I know that. So do you. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Okay, every proud man or woman in this room, i got some good news for you. God is resisting you. Or me. <laughs> um, but it's only when we're humbled via pain that we begin to see things that have tended to lapse from our memory. You know, you know guys, uh, just to make somewhat of a side application, when are your marriages the best? When one of you is... You know, when do you treat your wife the best? When you're feeling hot and like you're a hot shot? When do you take her for granted the most? Men... So God in His kindness authors a set of circumstances that creates an awakening of our own smallness. Adversity is a humbler, gang. And, and it's hard on us. But I'll tell you this. For every one person that you can show me that can handle prosperity, I'll show you a thousand that can handle adversity. That is... Um, Prosperity, I don't know, can be handled by any of us. Adversity, it ain't easy, but we'll get through it. Precious few of us can, can stand to live in the lap of luxury, ladies and gentlemen. There, there are precious few of us, if any of us, who can keep their moral and spiritual and financial equilibrium while balancing on this, this 
elevated tightrope of success. Very honestly, I've never met one. Have you? You know, it's, it's ironic, sadly, that most of us can handle a sudden demotion better than we can handle a sudden promotion. Um, I saw a statistic the other day, and I, I'm, I'm going to overstate it, but you'll get my point. Uh, that 94% of those who win lotteries are negatively affected by their, by their having won it. It was, it was kind of... You know, I, I'm going to read you these texts. You, you might want to write them down because they're, they're glorious. They're glorious, but I'll just read them to you. This one's out of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. Solomon writes, Blows and wounds... Cleanse away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the promotion that does that. It's the blows and the wounds and the beatings. Now, I know you don't like those words, but you know, it's not, we're, not talk, we're just talking about God authoring a, 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 a pain that will purge the inmost beating, uh, being. You know, guys, uh, we don't have time for me to tell you, uh, but I'd love to one day. I really would. I would love to tell you, but uh, just I, I just put it like this. Um, in the darkest night of my soul, which was somewhere in the 85 to 87 range, that is 1985 to 80, in the darkest night of my soul, there was a, there was a quote that I found from A.W. Tozer that absolutely got me through more nights than I can tell you. You know, when you're, when you're wired like I am, and you're kind of a you know, hard charger anyway, and you get, you get knocked off balance, the first thing to go is your ability to sleep. And um, there were nights when I would lay in bed without, with no ability. It, it's, like, it's like a door is slammed. You know, on the other side of the door is sleep. <laughs> but I can't get through the door. The door won't open for me. And I'm stuck out here on the other side of the door. And there was a, there was a quote from A.W. Tozer that got me through more nights than I, can, than I can number. Here it is. Feast on. At least I did. I don't know. Tozer says, said, Rarely does God use a man significantly until he hurts him deeply. Rarely does God use a man significantly until he hurts him deeply. You know, God does that. Your God, your heavenly Father does that. Why? Because he's mad at you? No, but because sin has such an allure to our souls that we will walk off a cliff in following it. And so what does God do? He authors circumstances to prevent us. Um, Tozer said this. This was not so meaningful to me, but that one was. I'm telling you, more nights than I can tell you. But he also says this. When God gets ready to do something great, he takes a great man and he crushes him. You know, I don't particularly like that truth, but it's the truth. Here's another statement out of Psalm 119, verse 67. 
Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I obey your word. Before I was afflicted, oh, 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 man, I was marching to my own drum. But now, after I'm afflicted, now I obey your word. So the first thing that, uh, that God reminds us of is our own smallness. The second thing that we need to remember is our need. Simply, He reminds us of our need for Himself. Which is perhaps the opposite of what I just said to you. But um, above all, whatever it is that we're experiencing, the key issue is your encounter with God. That the issue is the sufferer's encounter with God. Often, He is the very one we have been avoiding for months. Only to have the silence of our own pain and the loneliness of our own suffering kind of hurt us back. Kind of lost sheep to the shepherd of our souls. He, he takes our, or, or creates circumstances to draw us back to Himself. You know, guys, I, I've said this a million times and perhaps you've heard me, but one of the things that pain does is that it allows us and encourages us and enables us to call away the insignificant. I love that. You know, we get caught up in, in, in whatever. And so God, because He loves His children, will not allow us to spend and waste our time with foolishness. You know, my, my classic example of foolishness, and I'm about to offend somebody. I, I just know I am, but I just want you to know it. I'm just playing. But, you know, um, I, have a, I have a relative who is a member of a group called the Friends of the Pink Palace. And I just find that downright comical. <laughs> what do Friends of the Pink Palace do? Do they come up and hug the Pink Palace and say, you know, Pink Palace, we just really love you. And, and I think, why would you spend your time as a friend of the Pink Palace, when there are people who are dying in the med who would love to have a visit from anybody, but we're going to go to the Pink Palace and hug the, the cornerstone. I think, what? What? So, so what does God do? He, he reminds us of what's important, what's really valuable. And anything, my dear friend, anything that drives us back to God is good. I don't care what it is. We, we create, we find this new sense of dependence and we begin to discover things about God that we never knew before. We find out that our solutions for life just won't work. Oh, how about that? Imagine that. And we thought we had the answers. You know, um, we've heard so much about God being a refuge for men's souls. But in our pain, He becomes the refuge of our soul. You know, um, Job, at the closing of his book, he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Oh, yeah, we used to talk about you in seminary class all the time. Yeah, it's great. Oh, had great discussions about how many angels could dance on the head of a pen. Oh, man, they were just really exciting discussions. We used to have. Oh, man. But I heard about you with my ear, but now as a result of my pain, I see. 
I thought I used, I mean, I used to think I knew you. But after this, I don't know who I knew. Whatever may be wrong or inadequate about our views of God as a result of our pain is now, for the first time, open for modification. Maybe for the first time in a long time, I'm teachable. And only pain, guys, will bring us to the place where we're open to learn more about who this God is. Joy won't do that. Neither will prosperity. Neither will success. Your prosperity and your success does nothing but harden you in your positions. The only thing that will blow some of us out of our positions is pain. We've got to hurry. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you that sorrow is the great emancipator of the soul. Um, you know, one of, one of the... You, you can always spot the man who has never known any deep pain. Because he, he likes to speak of God as the, the almighty, incomprehensible first cause. Not the man who is hurt. Not the man who has experienced pain. No. He's far more than that. Our, I, I, I'll sum this, summarize this point like this. Gang, let me tell you something. Right now, right this second, in every one of our lives, all of us, everybody, the preacher included, everybody in the room, we're a, our greatest issue, our greatest problem is our ignorance of God. We, we know lots, perhaps, about some kind of theological system that we learned in Sunday school. But our real trouble is our ignorance of God Himself. And pain changes that. Which would you rather have? A Christian reputation? Or Jesus Christ? It will be pain that will take you to the latter. Then one final thing, and I'll quit. And this is, uh, this will be hard to listen to. The third thing that we discover and we're reminded is just how superficial we are. Guys, um, it's pain that drives us to a depth of spiritual experience that we've never known before. You know, in our day, particularly out where we live, folks, when we, we all have stuff that is stuffed into our checking account, you can live a trivial life and get away with it. And one of the great advantages of pain is that it forces us through the crust of our own souls to find something that is bedrock. And um, we learn a few things about God and we, uh, we don't really fully understand everything that we're experiencing but we come to the place where we say, okay, if I can just be sure that this is God's treatment of me, 
then I'll be fine. I'm ready to move on to the dark as long as I know that it's God who's dealing with me. I can stand just about anything as long as I know that God has authored these circumstances. Um, to believe in this God that we, that we talk about, guys, is to know that all the rules will be fair and yet there will be many surprises. I didn't say that. A, a Roman Catholic sister said that. All the rules will be fair. But there are going to be a few surprises. I want to tell you a story, and then um, I, I'll finish. We'll, we'll resume here next week. But it has to do with this, how superficial we are. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something that you... Um, that you're not gonna, you, you you won't you won't appreciate me saying this, but um, you know what? I probably won't. I won't say it. Um, I tell you what, maybe I will say it um, because I I don't know. You can you can do with it as you wish. I, you know, it's just it's just something that concerning what pain does. It shows us how superficial we are. You know, um, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. I'll just tell you my story and I and I'll I'll quit. Um, I read this story years ago about, it's a true story about a woman whose name is Mary Moore. And Mary Moore had slipped in the shower one night and um, she hit the, the hot water handle on the way down as she fell and she turned this pleasant little warm shower of hers into this scalding, terrifying experience. Uh, much of her body was covered with third degree burns. And so the story takes place in a burn ward. And I think everybody can, knows that there's nothing quite so excruciating as, as being burned um, and having to have skin grafted back onto your body. That's, uh, that couldn't be much worse. But um, while she was in this burn ward, she was introduced to a man who uh, was simply introduced by the name Sarge. They called him Sarge. Um, and it was obvious that uh, just to look at him that his burns were the worst of anybody's in the burn ward uh, he was um, he was really in bad shape and later she heard stories about how incredibly painful uh, the things that he had undergone to get to survive and and yet this man Sarge was the one who was continually at her bedside and not only her bedside but several other people in the in the burn ward and he would bring a little tray of coffee and juice, and and um, and and he did this for, as I said, many of the patients in the burn ward. And 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 it was obvious to everybody that he was serving that his pain was worse than theirs. In fact, he had the worst pain of anybody in the in the burn ward. And but somehow he found it within himself to to, to, to this ability to um, to serve other people. And and the, and that spirit of Sarge was really contagious to the, all the other people in the, in the burn ward. Uh, he kind of brought a fresh wind, a fresh breeze, a kind of a new hope into a place where, you know, people were in a lot of pain and there was a lot of aches and, and, and grief that was being experienced in there. Um, and Mary Moore, who's writing or telling this story, uh, the one in the shower, uh, was amazed at this man, how he could continue to go on day after day, how many lives that Sarge had touched and and um, how many people he served and, 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 and even perhaps um, saved their lives by giving a, a measure of hope that they wouldn't have had otherwise. 
Well, Mary Moore had been raised in the South, and uh, she was brought up on the importance of manners and etiquette and gentility. And, and, um, but what she found in Sarge was far more than kindness. It was, um, it was a compassion that she had not seen in, in her training in etiquette. Well, one evening, um, Mary Moore and Sarge were chatting over their families, and, and um, Sarge said to her how excited he was that after a, a few more surgeries, he was going to get to go home and be reunited with his family that he loved so deeply. And he went on to describe his children to her and, and how, they had, um, uh, how they were getting a edu- good education and how proud he was of them. And, and, but he was particularly proud of his wife, who had recently graduated from college. And so, naturally, Mary Moore uh, asked the uh, Sarge, uh, your wife graduated from college, how about that? Where did she go to college? Where did she graduate? And so, Sarge told her where his wife had graduated from. And Mary Moore was horrified. And she said, Sarge, that's a black college. Your wife's not black, is she? And Sarge says, why, yes, ma'am. What color did you think I was? Guys, it was a common experience of pain that moved those two people beyond the superficial into something that was worth living for. It was pain that helped transcend and helped them transcend their own silliness about skin color. And it's pain that will root some of us out of a superficial Life, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know whether I'm going to be the first to tell you this or not, but some of you are wasting your lives in superficial meaninglessness. But don't be too alarmed. I can tell you that the God who loves you and loves me will author a set of circumstances that will force us to move beyond our own superficiality into something that's a meaningful life. He'll do that. He's going to do that for all of us. He loves us. And so he authors pain that will remind us of our own smallness, our great need for Him, and the superficial trough that we've fallen into. What will get us out? Prosperity won't. Success won't. But pain will. And for those reasons, I say to you with confidence, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Let's quit. Our Father, I do pray that You will remind Your people of things important. 
and I pray that you will remind us that there's, for some of us, only a few more years to live. And we have a lot of work to do. There are white fields and few laborers. And we've got, we've got a lot of challenge before us. So, Lord, be merciful to your people. And um, remind us in the dark night of our soul that rarely do you ever use a man or a woman significantly until you hurt them deeply. And by your so doing, awaken us and arouse us to the, to the high calling of living in service to the King of Kings. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.